0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally.
1: And I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts of the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about the faith of the next generation and reaching young adults in our world today. We're joined by our special guest, John Zick. How are
2: you? Good, man. I'm, I'm so glad to be with you guys. This podcast is famous around the world, so I'm honored to be on it with you guys.
0: Oh my gosh. We are thrilled to have you. And maybe you're tuning in for the very first time and you've Never heard any other podcast like ours, or you've never heard any other episode, but if you want to, you can rate, review, subscribe, let us know what God's doing in your life. Let us know if you have any questions just about faith, religion, like theology, um, anything about our authors that we've had. We've had authors, we've had pastors, and just some incredible, incredible people from around the globe who have been able to just join us, and we've been able to um, just honor them in that process, hopefully. So as a listener, hope that you are blessed today. So- Thank you so much for tuning in.
1: Look, we want to help you start off your week strong. So every Monday morning... A brand new. If you mm-hmm. subscribe, like Micah said, a brand new episode drops in your inbox, and we're just really grateful for that. John Zick is the director of Called for the Assemblies of God. He's part of the national team with the youth ministry and next gen team at the Assemblies of God USA. His work is very much on equipping leaders and helping young people discover mm-hmm. God's calling on their lives. He's an author of the book Called. We'll talk about that message today. He's also previously served as a young all pastor. Yeah, baby. come on. <laughs> but John, we'll just kick it to you again. Thanks for spending time with us. And we'd love to just hear some of your journey of life and leadership, yeah. family, and ministry.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so you know, started out in Michigan, born and raised Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I know the snow and the cold of <laughs> Minnesota. Uh, I actually miss it, to be honest with you. Like, I love the snow. Um, you know, I currently live in Springfield, Missouri. And so it gets pretty cold, but not cold enough to snow. And so I'm like, man, if, if it's going to be this cold, at least give me some snow, you know, give I me some agree. beauty to go with it. But um, so 18 years old, I actually moved out to California and went to a school of ministry out there. First two ministry positions were out there. I met my wife out there, you know, California girl. Um, and we've been married now for eight years. We have two kids. My oldest is almost five and his name is Oliver and my youngest is Emerson and he's almost two. Uh, So two boys, you know, constant excitement in our house right now and the different seasons. Um, So yeah, first two ministry positions out in Sacramento, California, and then uh, actually moved back to Michigan for about three years and was a next gen pastor in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And now I'm currently in Springfield, Missouri at uh, the national office and uh, oversee the department. The technical term for the department is ministerial advancement, mm-hmm. uh, which is really fancy. And you know, most of the times I just call it called because that's that's essentially what it is. So uh, we've been here for a little over three years now, and we've been loving every minute of it.
1: It's amazing, John, the journey that you're on, and the listener as well. We know that mm-hmm. if you're listening, we know that the call of God is something that you've wrestled with. And I love the A.W. Tozer quote that says that it's not. What a person does that makes it sacred or secular, mm-hmm. it's why they do it. And when it's yeah. for the glory of God, you can That's be good. a cook, you can be a dishwasher, Absolutely. like Peter Lawrence, yeah. you can serve at a church, you can volunteer, all of these mm-hmm. different things. And there is a component of some people are going to have the assignments of whether it's a pastor or a teacher or yeah. an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist. And really their calling is to equip the saints to work with the people mm-hmm. of God. That's our theme this year for 2023 is equipping yep. the saints. But we're coming off the heels of the relief of um, the Jesus yes, revolution. That's... And you talked about California, yeah, your journey. And I read a book this past summer called Jesus Revolution by Greg Laurie. It's kind of um, a generation of awakening revival and just our prayer john too and i I know this is going to be your passion the listeners as well like god do it again yeah and absolutely i would just love to ask you like things like discipleship in the local church things like next gen ministry or even young adult ministry why do you believe the faith of the next generation is so vital and important
2: yeah i mean obviously you know if we don't have the next gen, we don't have the church 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. Um, So from, from that standpoint, and we see it throughout scripture, old Testament, new Testament, there is a massive emphasis on the next generation. You know, God never intended to create us and for us as humans to be selfish and only think about the day that we're in
1: Right right from the
2: very beginning, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Like from the very beginning, that was the command of be fruitful and multiply, and we see it again and again throughout Scripture. We see it even different language, but kind of the same heart in the New Testament of go and make disciples. Yeah. Um, You know, that's kind of the be fruitful and multiply. So from the very beginning, our call, our command is to be mindful of the next generation, is to be discipling. It's not just to be in the moment, in the day, and building a personal platform. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's meant to be advancing the kingdom. And if we're really advancing the kingdom, then we need to be building the next generation. Um, and so it is, I mean, it's, it's mission critical. Uh, it really is. And, you know, I don't just say that to like, get like, oh man, you know, we need to listen, but it really is mission critical that we are raising up the next generation of, of leaders, of believers, of pastors, missionaries, um, you know, doctors, lawyers, you you name it. We need individuals that are willing to say yes to God, whatever that looks like.
0: Yeah, John, I love that you went there. And I've just been processing, like, literally chewing in something that guy, I feel like God downloaded to me like 11 years ago. I was 25 years old, just like processing, like, okay, Lord, you've called me in a ministry. I'm a part of a ministry. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing young adults. Like, small groups and I'm leading and I'm like, I'm on fire for you. And I want, I want to see hell empty and heaven full of young adults, full of people, yeah. obviously, but I feel called and burdened for the young adult themselves, because that's when I think my life um, came to a crossroads where it's like, okay, mm. the sin equals your death, or you can follow me like Micah, which one is it? And yeah. I think sometimes when we as leaders have the opportunity to, to provide those um, rallying points or those coming togethers and just reaching the For next sure. generation. It's like I always say I'm like young adults aren't going anywhere. And no yeah. matter how much maybe individuals want to write them off like they did the Jesus yeah. Revolution, like a people group of oh, all yeah. the hippies, all oh, the hippies, all the adults. Oh, we're gonna study them, but we're not gonna reach them and and we're not gonna resource them. And I guess just that tension that we live in as leaders to have such a burden and have such a passion and know that if not now, then when, because the time is now right. We need to, we need to reach those um, young adults. And if we can just create those opportunities, I think that's something that Josiah and I, we, we want to live out and the listener wants to live out. And sometimes we don't know how. So one of our prayers, like as leaders that we would truly feel equipped To not only do the work of the Lord, but to do it in a way that is honoring and pleasing to him while touching the hearts of the people in the world in which we live without bowing down to the world's culture, right? Yeah, So managing that tension of like, how much world can we bring into the church and how much church is being brought to the world? Like when we've always come at it as a a heads, like we've always, um, it's a a problem. It's a human problem. Like that's just what it is. And how do we be leaders that can stay on the forefront of knowing the word of God, living out the word of God, truly living pure and holy lives that people admire and actually want to like emulate themselves. So I would just be so curious, like John, like what have you been seeing among teenagers and the 20 something when it comes to Um, just in your work every day, if you're going to call, you know, the called, like, what do you see that would help the listener and leader today that, oh man, make us really maybe challenge our thinking or rethink the way we've been doing ministry. Yeah, And I would just be so curious, like pick your brain, like take that any way you want, but maybe it's a layered question. I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah, I definitely think there are some layers to it. And I think starting out, you know, so what I'm seeing is a is a generation that's excited for Jesus, um, a generation that's that's excited to say yes, regardless of what it looks like, a generation that doesn't care about maybe titles or positions or, um, you know, this this hierarchy, maybe that we've mm-hmm. we've gone to this leadership culture and structure that we've shifted to in the church. And I think we've adopted that from culture, you know, as you were talking, kind of what's that balance? Um, I think one of the things that the church has done, we've adopted the the business leadership culture, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, yep. um, sure. to where it, it's about positions, it's about a paycheck, and, and obviously not everybody, but I would say the overall culture and the church as a whole, that's where we're at. Um, and so we are needing a shift. And we see this in scripture, you know, we see it with with King Saul. Um, you know who who was anointed to be king, who was king and then there was a moment that we see where the prophet comes and removes Saul anointing mm-hmm. from him. Um, and when you're reading that that scripture and that passage and I don't have it in front of me um, but when you're reading that where the the prophet comes in and encounters him, you know what had happened was was God had told him, you know go to this, go to this nation, destroy everything, don't keep anything alive. Mm-hmm. Well Saul keeps the king alive, he keeps some of the livestock alive, And so the prophet comes and says, hey, why didn't you listen? You know, why didn't you obey God? And, um, you know, his response was, I was afraid of the people. You know, my soldiers wanted me to keep um, these things alive. So I listened to them. And so he started to listen to the voices of people. And, you know, then the prophet says, well, we're going to remove your anointing. And when you're reading that at face value, you're like, man, that's a little extreme. Mm -hmm. You know, the first time I read that, I'm like, Lord, why would... Like I've partially obeyed you or I've partially disobeyed you at, at some point in my life. Like I hope my anointing wasn't removed because of that. Um, and as I really just started to pray about it and think on it, you know, I really felt like the Lord say that his anointing was removed because his heart had shifted. It wow. wasn't necessarily the partial disobedience, but his heart had shifted from advancing the kingdom to building a platform. Yep. Right. He wanted to keep the king alive to bring him back to the nation uh, to show, man, look at what Saul did. He's a great king. He said, I was afraid of the people. The moment that you're more afraid of the people than you are of God, your heart has shifted from building a platform to advancing the kingdom. And so it was an indication of his heart. So we see the prophet remove the anointing. And Saul's response wasn't about the anointing. He said, well, at least come back with me and honor me before the people. Again, another indication that his heart had shifted, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to building a platform and and how this all ties into the next generation. You're probably like, where's he going with this? Mm -hmm. How this all ties into the next generation is when it came time for another generation to take over the kingdom, Saul was not willing to give it up because it wasn't about advancing the kingdom. That was now his platform that he had built. And because it was a personal platform he wanted to fight off the next generation. Wow. He wanted to scare off the next generation. You know, we fast forward to David's kingship. He's known as a man after God's heart. We know the mistakes he made. We know the the things that he did. But yeah. at the end of the day, he was always about advancing the kingdom that was his priority, mm-hmm. it was never a personal platform that he was building. We know this because we see him dancing half naked in the streets mm-hmm. as the presence of God is coming back into his nation, right? And that signifies so much that he removed his crown, he removed his robe. Essentially, he was removing his earthly positions, mm-hmm. his possessions, his platform, and he was saying, The only thing that matters is the presence of God. And when it came time for him to pass off to the next generation, it was an easy transition. Right. When God said, hey, I want you to plan the building of the, of the palace, but you're not actually going to build it. It's going to be the next generation. David didn't fight it. He wasn't afraid of it. He said, awesome. Let me set them up. Let me get everything in place. Let me bring the next generation in and honor them before the people and set them up before the people, because it was never about a personal platform. Um, it was always about advancing the kingdom. And so to answer that question, yes, they're excited, but they need leaders like us who are going to give them the opportunity and not chase them off. They need leaders who are not building personal platforms, but are advancing the kingdom of God and, um, I love this quote, you know, any God-sized dream takes more than one generation to accomplish it.
0: Wow. Yeah. Any
2: God-sized dream takes more than one generation to accomplish it. And if you're really about kingdom advancement, the natural byproduct as a leader is going to be raising up the next generation because you know, we can't do it 10, 15, 20 years from now if we're not intentional about raising the next generation. And they are excited. They look different. Yeah. They're going to do it different. They're going to act different, um, but they are excited for what God has for them. And, and like never before I am seeing a generation that's willing to say, yes, God, whatever that looks like, if that's going to Africa, I'll go to Africa. If that's going here, if that's taking this pay cut, if that's this, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. you want me to do, I'm here to say yes.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. John, I, I, you're speaking our language and you're speaking, I think you're speaking right to our hearts and just reigniting some things that we know are there, but also just, Oh, I just feel a kindred spirit with you. i just like, why we do what we do and yeah. we get to do what we love. Like we love to be with sure. adults and we love to see them thrive and create opportunities. And I just have a question for you. It's not on the script. So I'm just curious when we ha- we feel like we have a calling and God has given us personally as a leader, maybe a vision or a mission or a strategy how do we manage and tame what God has spoken, or what question. God has shown us? Yep. when we feel like we're in the land of in between. Yep. like, hey, I'm on staff, but maybe for I'm working sure. for somebody that I admire and I love, and I'm following their vision, and and they're cover they're covering me, right? They're just, they're my spiritual covering. And I don't want to, I call them Joseph moments. Like, I don't want to be personally a yeah. leader. That's like a oh, God showed me this. And like, my brothers are going to bow to me. And you like spew it before, right, right? you know, the crowds and before God's timing, how would you encourage the person who like has the horsepower, mm. but doesn't know how to the season that they're in to honor authority, to not put the cart before the horse. And yeah. to stay in God's will, like, what advice would you have for somebody who's like wrestling through all those layers um, yeah. of the land of, in- I call it the land of in-between. I don't know if anybody else sure. calls it whatever, but.
2: <laughs> Without a doubt. No, I, I think every leader who's over 25 or 30 has experienced this at some point in their ministry, right? That tension of, okay, Lord, what are you doing um, you know, I'm under this leader and it's not my time, but you're giving me dreams. You're giving me passion. You're giving me excitement. Um, you know, I remember when I had this question to the Lord and I'm like, Lord, what, what is going on? Um, I feel like I'm ready to explode on the inside, (laughs) but I can't do anything with it. You know what I mean? But like, what what am I supposed to do? And, uh, you know, I, I remember this clear as day really felt strongly, you know, the Lord say to me, um, you know i i want you to be content with the season you're in because it's where i have you mm-hmm. and you're there for a reason and then he said but i don't want you to be satisfied wow because you know there's more that's good so be content with the season you're in be okay with the process be okay with the season you're in um but don't be satisfied don't don't shove that passion or that excitement or Don't think, oh, that's just me or I need to shove it down. Um, Journal, write, you know, begin to really put those things to paper and dream. Um, You're not satisfied because you know God has put more in your heart, but you're content because it's the season that he has you in and be okay with the process. Um, if, If you're still in that season, God wants you in that season. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, if you're seeking his will for your life, <laughs> if that your desire is God's will, then he has you there for a reason. Learn, don't just yeah. get through it. Something I, I said early on is I never want to get done with a season and look back and think, Oh man, I, I rushed that season. Right. Or I didn't really handle that season well, or I didn't get the most out of that season that I could have. Cause I was just frustrated. I was upset the whole time every season I'm in, I want to look back and say, man, I got the most out of that season. Yeah. Um, And so I think it's just that, that balance. And it is, it's a really hard balance of being content, but not satisfied. Um, It's a really tough tension, but I think if you can figure that out in every season, right. And that doesn't go away. Um, You know, that's not just like, Oh, once you get through one season, that's going to be there um, of just this tension of God's timing I'm content because this is where God has me and it's his process and I'm okay with the process. he's building things in me, he's uh, putting things inside of me, you know, he's pulling things out of me, but I'm not satisfied because I know in my heart he's put more in there um, and I'm going to journal, I'm going to write those things down. I'm going to continue to dream. Um, but I know that I'm in this season for a reason.
0: I love that. I have so many things in my mind, but you go first.
1: You no, know, what you're <laughs> the distinction between discontentment. And dissatisfaction, like I'm going to remain yeah. content in Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay. Yeah, dead. exactly. You know, it might, we just heard Jeffrey Portman say like, it might feel like I'm being buried, but I'm actually being planted. That's good. Yeah. It, the imagery is really similar between buried and planted, but one is sure. going to spring up roots mm-hmm. beneath. That's and and, good. and so, but I, I love that, that it's okay to to feel like there's more. And it's okay to feel like Mm -hmm. there's uh, more that just hasn't processed. Absolutely. I don't want to interrupt you.
0: No, no, no. I I was just thinking one thing that I just say, and I've had people say this to me, like leaders over me that I love and I admire. And I'm so glad they did this when I was in my twenties versus in my thirties need to get corrected publicly versus privately. (laughs) It's it's this horsepower inside of me that I just, at the time, and I'm obviously still learning, learning how to tame that horsepower. Like I'm in the shoot, like God spoke this, I'm ready to go. If the gun goes off, like I'm gone. But I don't want a false start, right? Wow. And I yep. always say, like, that's I would good. much rather be a person where people have to, like, whoa, like pull back on the reins versus yell, giddy up.
2: And yeah, i like, yeah, yeah. those
0: people too of saying, hey, that's a great idea, but we're going to pull back a little bit, think this through, and we'll process this versus giddy up, which is like, come on, people, like, we got to do something.
2: Yeah. So a horse guess- versus a donkey.
0: Yes, exactly, <laughs> and you just feel like so. I've, I've I've experienced those tensions, and and I just want to encourage a listener if you're anything like me and. I had to pray this like off and out of me and it was like, Lord, tame my heart because there's yeah. something in me that God straight, good. which is, I don't want to say a righteous anger because it wasn't, it was definitely this drive, right? Yeah. Okay. So Lord, can you help tame this? And while I'm finishing out my assignment and on yeah. church, at on staff with these people, help me to leave people in places better than I found them, Yeah. but help me not to become... Poison in the waterhole, right? Because yep. I think sometimes yep. we can we can leave a position or we can get invited to leave a position or we can transition out and we can, like you said, look back and regret how we behaved or how we what we what we yeah. said or what we didn't say. So I just want to encourage listeners if you find yourself in that season, ask God to tame your heart. And if you're yep. in a transition, we don't want to ever be people that are poisoned in the waterhole. We want to leave a wake of blessing and not of destruction because you never know who you're going to work for in the future yeah. or who's going to work for you. And you never want to burn those bridges. Just work. Let it, God like plow through and pull up those weeds of your soul. And those character building moments where like five, 10 years from now. You're yeah. like, wow, that was selfish or ugly of me. So I just want to encourage a listener. If you feel like your calling is bigger than you, you're in a good place.
2: Yeah. And you, and, you know, right? like two, two things to add to that too, is like, Journal. I can't stress journal yes. in those seasons and, and build that discipline. Um write those things get down that you feel like God is, is laying on your heart. And and know this God wants you to fulfill the calling mm-hmm. that He has on your life more than you want to fulfill it, right? Okay. So, so He's yeah. gonna open the doors when they need to be open. Again, your your responsibility is to be in the will of God, mm-hmm. is to have a relationship with with, with Jesus, right. I, that is your responsibility. Outside of that, don't force doors open. Don't try to make things happen that aren't supposed to happen. Seek mm-hmm. God, seek his will, and he's going to open the doors when they need to be open and close the ones when they need to be closed. And just rest in that. Have mm-hmm. peace in that. Have confidence in that. That, man, I really do want this to be God's timing. I don't want to rush it. I don't want to get somewhere before I'm ready. That was always my prayer was, yeah. Lord, I don't want to get somewhere before I'm ready to be there. Um, because that's when we start to see moral failures. That's when we start to see burnout. That's when we start to see all these other things is because people try to rush the process and they try to get somewhere before they're ready, before their is ready to keep them yep. there. Um, and so I've always prayed, God, help me to be in the places that you want me and the timing that you want me there. Help me not to rush it. Help me not to get impatient and just be okay with your timing.
0: Amen.
1: My gosh, I'm thinking about our life being James, the half brother of Jesus, describes it as like a vapor, like mm-hmm. here today, yeah. tomorrow, our, our time here on earth is, is kind of like this blip on the radar of eternity. And so true. Somebody holds um, kind of the mantle before us and yeah. something's gonna come after us that it'll be pretty quick. Yeah. And they'll be you know, out, out living yep. us and out, out leading and out learning and all of those things. And so it would appear to me that there's these two opportunities that we have when we're younger to receive the mantle or the mm-hmm. baton, like to, this is, life is in, in ministries almost like this relay race, like to receive the mentoring, to mm. receive the baton. I'll sure. start right not drop it because so good we were just at the Vikings game and they lost playoffs yeah but <laughs> too, there soon. Was a, <laughs> too soon there was a few, there was a few opportunities where the guy the receiver was wide open and I this would be me because I'd be so excited and he dropped the ball because yeah. he's worried about getting hit. Versus yep. step one is catch the ball. Yeah. then, then, then run, hit a run. <laughs> and, but I, I was just thinking about this, like receiving the baton. I wonder how many times I've been ready to go rip roaring and out of the gate. And I've like <laughs> scratched or false started. And then, yep. and I think that's the tendency for that's the young excited leader. And then, but really it's, we're never too young to start thinking ahead mm-hmm. to, I'm going to get without ready to look for who's, who's running alongside me, who's coming after me that I'm actually going to pass the baton. So it's like receive the mantle and then get ready to pass it. So good. Because our time here is so short and you described Mm -hmm. Saul and David and there's the Kings who Mm -hmm. the tale of three Kings, right? Some of the kings really had the heart for the Lord. Some didn't. And Mm -hmm. that is either the wake of blessing or the wake of wild um, deception that people run Mm -hmm. in. And I mean, John, we want to hear your perspective on the equipping of the saints. Like, what do you see God's heart being for his people?
2: Yeah. Yeah, man. I think we're we're going into a really crucial season as the church. Um, you know, I really do. And, and I think, you know, obviously, as the church, we're praying for revival in yes. our nation and our world. Like, we want that. We believe that. Um, but I'm kind of on this side of like, I don't know if the church is ready for a revival yet. Um, I don't know if, if we're ready, you know, I kind of use the language of like, I think a a revival needs to happen in the church before an awakening can happen in our nation Mm. and our world. Mm -hmm. Um, so I really think the church is going to be going into this season of of pruning, of just getting the church ready. And I think we already started to see some of that with COVID and, and you know, what happened to the church during that season. Uh, I think that was just kind of the beginning of, of the Lord really getting the church ready, really preparing our hearts. You know, the, the scripture in, in first Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, Seek my face, then I will heal their land. And a lot of times we can read that scripture and think, oh, yeah, you know, the world needs to turn from their wicked ways. Culture needs to turn from their wicked ways. They need to come back to Jesus. I don't think that's what that verse is referring to because it says, if my people who are (laughs) called by my name will turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, right? Humble themselves, pray, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. So a turning in the church, and that's that's the definition of revival, is a a turning of the hearts back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so a turning in the church has to take place before we see the healing of the land, before we see an awakening uh, take place. So I really feel like God is, is bringing us into a season just as the church as a whole. You know, this this kind of pruning, this kind of getting us ready, getting our hearts ready, getting us ready for true discipleship. Mm-hmm. Again, I think we were forced into that during COVID, of you know the the attractional model, the big events wasn't able to happen, so we were forced into this discipleship model, where it was more relationship, where it was back to that one-on-one discipleship and and building people mm-hmm. in small groups, um, and I think that was intentional. I think God yeah. was doing that, and again getting the church ready for what he's going to do. I do believe there's going to be an awakening like we've never seen, um, you know, in, in our time in in our generation. And, um, obviously time wise, who knows, but I, I do believe that. But before that happens, I think God's getting the church ready.
0: That's good. We're releasing our, our book coming up in a couple months. And one of our authors who's a contributor, she like literally ends her chapter with, like the young adults are ready but are we like the church but are yeah. you as a leader like yep. i'm like dang like mic drop yeah just what you said john like are yeah. we ready for that like are we truly ready and uh oh i think it's so good and this is the part you have something to say
1: no it's it's just like coming back to one thing you said it might look different than before, and it might yeah. smell di- the people might smell different. I think of the hips, yeah. they look different, their yeah. shoes or lack thereof was different. And it, it really is the question are we ready for people to come be a part of God's plan who think differently, who dress differently, mm-hmm. who talk differently? Yeah, um, there might be just learning on both parts, but like, are yeah. we willing to embrace the uncomfortable? Yeah. yeah
0: right yeah, and what's uncomfortable for one is not uncomfortable for another <laughs> and i don't know if you have not seen the jesus revolution movie we had a sneak peek this last weekend and there's one okay. part that i absolutely love and i won't ruin it but there's one part where it's like the church is segregated they had the hippie sitting on one side yeah. and board members sitting on the other and i didn't even know that kelsey graham was actually in this he's one of my favorite um actors, but he, he was sitting up there as a pastor and he said one thing, he's just like, well, there's a door that's both ways, you know, it's open, it's open 24 seven, it's open for the hippies. And then he looks over at the board members and goes, and it's open for you as well. And the heartbreaking part is like a couple literally Mm. got up and walked out and another man stood up and walked over and he sat with the hippies. And I'm like, yes, I'm like, that is true understanding of the passing of the baton, making room, meeting people where they're at, sitting with somebody I don't understand yeah. you, but I want to get to understand. Like, yeah. I want to know, like, I want to understand you. I want to, what are you up against? Like, how's your soul? Not how's the weather. Sure. Anymore. And yeah. so we're truly believing and praying that there is awakening and revival in our day and age. And I don't know if that's going to yeah. happen with our children or if that's going to happen with us, but we just want to be ready. And 11 years ago, this is what my thought was probably 20 minutes ago that I forgot is that God like downloaded <laughs> like this heaven minded urgency hmm. that we need to be so ready and so equipped for anything that the enemy yes, throws at yeah. us or even the world throws at us or the confusion of anything. Yeah. And so my prayer is just for the listener, like as a leader, that there would be an urgency in your relationship with Jesus, that That's there good. be an urgency in your willingness to reach the unreachable, mm. the, the willingness to submit your plans in exchange for God's and remove, yeah. you know, God should be seated on the throne of our hearts, right? And just like personal inventory of like, okay, Lord, how am I really? Because we're always asking others, like, how are you? How's your soul? But taking an inventory, the month of January right now of recording this, wow, what do I want the end of my life to look like? And I don't want people to sit at my funeral wondering what I was about. I want to live it out. So I don't know if that's anybody.
2: (laughs) It's so good. My wife and I were just having this conversation. We were uh, in California and, you know, driving from to a ministry event from Sacramento to Los Angeles, about a six hour drive. Uh, We had dropped our kids off with her parents in Sacramento, you know, so it's kind of like a date drive, which is nice. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we were just talking and, you know, I just kind of had this realization of of, man, when I get to heaven, I don't want it to be like story time where the disciples are sharing all these stories. Yes. I want to hear their stories, but I want it to be mutual. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I want yeah. it to be a mutual <laughs> yep. story time. Man, here's here's what we did for the Lord while we were here on earth. What Share some things that, you know, like, not just like a, oh, yeah, I just want to hear all your stories. Oh, what did you do? Oh, you know, I went to church on Sundays.
0: I barely made it through the gate.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I want there to be a mutual storytelling um, because we're just maximizing our time here on earth. Earth is is not our prize. Right? Earth is our mission and heaven is our prize. Yeah. And so while we're here, we are on mission. If you are still on planet Earth as a believer, you are on mission. And what are we doing with our time? How are we really maximizing that and seeking the will of God? Oh my gosh.
1: If that doesn't fire you up, rewind a little bit, <laughs> tune in, listen up. And uh, that fires me up to just recognize our time is short, yeah. uh, life is fast. Time is yeah. short and God's plan is vast. And may, may there be those miracle mm-hmm. breakthrough miracle power testimonies and yeah. stories of the goodness of God. And it's yes and amen to that. And John, yeah. how we'd like to close with the guest is just we're getting to know you a little bit better. We're having a lot of fun. And I think this is one of Mike and I's favorite part and for the mm-hmm. listener too, but we'll put five minutes on the clock. Five last questions and you get about, I don't know, rapid fire, kind of like the home run derby. Okay. And uh, you up for that?
2: Love it. Yeah, let's do it. I'll
1: kick us off ready, second. Go. What's God teaching you lately?
2: Check my heart to have a pure heart, I have pure motives in everything that I do, uh, every season, that the heart is really the the biggest deal.
0: Amen. All right, here's a fun one. What's your favorite sports team?
2: favorite sports team is definitely the Golden State Warriors. Uh, you know, living out there, getting for to sure. go to the games, mm-hmm. you know, for the 10 years that I was out there was really and now that they were I think I was out there for the first championship, maybe second and then uh love, you know, Steph Curry. So definitely Golden State Warriors.
0: That's fun.
1: Definitely fun to watch. Here's the curveball John. If you could ask Mike and I uh anything. No, no questions off limits. If you wanted to know something or learn something about us, what would you want to ask?
2: One question to ask. Uh, I think I'd want to know your guys' call story. You know, how you got called to ministry, what that looked like. Just your, I love hearing people's testimonies Mm -hmm. um, and personal stories of how, you know, God saved them and then called them. So one question, it's the last dinner we're having together. Last supper. That's what I'm asking.
1: What mm. is your testimony? Really first? Sure. Um, my parents are first-generation Christ followers, and they um, met at Bloomington Assembly of God. They brought my sisters and I to the Billy Graham crusade at the Metro downtown Minneapolis in 1996, and it was like the youth night. And uh, mm. I remember squeezing my dad's hand saying, it, it, clear as day, I'm five, Billy's 75. God, <laughs> God has a plan for your life, and you Come believe in like come forward. And it was a a lifelong decision to follow Jesus. And I think some seeds were planted that day as well. And of course, discipleship in our home and Mm -hmm. church and youth group. But, um, the calling moment is I had some career plans. I admired a few business leaders that drove nice cars and had a lot of Mm -hmm. houses and, um, just had kind Mm -hmm. of the American dream. Or so I thought went on a missions trip. I was 18 years old, Belize, Mm I was signed up. I had two years of college done in high school. Went to, was signed up. It was like the end of July going into August. Signed up to go two more years of business school. My life gets wrecked, radically transformed. And I just, Come on. the power of the cross is in the blood of Christ. Get it. It for us all the spotless sacrifice, Jeez. nothing's missing. Nothing's broken. Mm-hmm. And so that song by Ricardo Sanchez was wow. playing. And uh, I just remember
0: you were it's, on a rooftop, weren't
1: you? It's the blood of Christ. And I remember um, the two youth pastors in my life were Micah Mack and Brent Silkey. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, Lord, you've already got a junior high guy. You've already got a senior high guy. I feel like most, <laughs> I'm not either Micah or Brent. I'm younger and, and they're cooler and all these different things. And I look at young adults were on God's radar. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that 18 to 30 year olds, I just began to... See God give an outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, that, That's so cool. And then an assignment, and just that calling, that burden yeah. for the young adult has never left.
0: Yeah, and I think my, my story is. Amazing. I was five years old too. I was actually I was in kindergarten. I remember praying the Lord's prayer with my mom and her, my sister at the end of my bunk bed, and I accepted Jesus into my heart. And um, we started going to church. We went to Awana, like memorizing Bible scriptures. Living in a small town, like you're very limited. It was like. 2000 people. And, uh, so yeah, 34 people in my graduating class. And as you go throughout schooling, you know, like seventh, eighth grade, all your friends start dating. And I'm like wanting to like go to youth on Wednesdays. And that, passion that I once had slowly like fizzled out, graduated high school, Mm. went to a four-year school, Christian Catholic Benedictine school for business communication. And I remember being on that campus and I'm like, wow, for this to be Christian, like there are no Christians here. Like they party, Mm. they whatever. So I just fell into that crowd because I'm like, well, if there's nothing for young adults on this campus, let alone in this town of what, 180,000 after I moved out of my parents' house. I started getting in that crowd and it was one of my friends I was doing business school with, and he invited me to the youth building because his band was playing. So I ended up going to that and I was about probably 21, 22. So like still living for the world, living on that line. And I just remember God woke me up from like drinking at a party. And I remember waking up, I was like, Laura, like, how did I get here? Like, Mm -hmm. I always felt the the spirit of the lord like speaking to me and like prompting my heart along the way even when i wasn't choosing to walk with them cuz i wanted yeah. to from him in a season And he's like, you know how your sin got you here. And it's either me or this, like, this is what's going to separate me or us from each other. This is your choice. And I left that party and I went home I was like, okay, Lord, I need to start going to church. So I started going to that church that my friend invited me to. And that's where I was a part of, um, starting young adult ministry. There was 12 of us. There was 32, went to like 200 every Thursday night. And then, um, Started Bible studies and seeing these people wow. like radically change, and we were in the upper room where I was like baptized in the Spirit on a on a trip where we had like 200 young adults came and worship was like three or four hours and for like 10 minutes, baptized in the yeah. Spirit and God's just like Mike I have a plan That's for you cool. and it's like you're going to use your testimony to like to share with other young women like you're going to come alongside those young women that the person you used to be become the person you wish mm-hmm. you had, and that was that. T- that's cool. 25. So like that's 11 years later and I'm like, Holy cow, like God, you were doing some amazing things. So I just have a passion for purity, Incredible. for the hunger of the Lord, for the encounter that people want to experience. So I know it's probably a 10 minute answer from both of us, but since then, like that's the so cool. ministry hasn't left and it's evolved. Um, we were called individually, um, out of like, I'm from North Dakota. So we were called separately into ministry and we felt called together in ministry. So now that's, what we're doing now is still leading it's together. Amazing. So God's doing some awesome things and grateful because my life was changed as a, as a young adult in my young adult years. And they're pivotal because I, yeah. I, if I, the decisions yeah. I made being that young, I wish I had somebody call me out on my junk and be like, should you yeah. be dating that guy? Should you be really going yep. to that party? Should you really like fill in the blank? And yep. wow, now I feel like I have favor on my life to say that to other women, like, you know what? Yeah. I love you too much to... See you do this, like tell me about this. So, right in the heartfelt probing questions that nobody else is asking them, and that's what they desire. They want yeah. to know if somebody cares. So, yeah, great question, that's so John. Cool. Holy Toledo! So
1: cool. Thanks for asking. That one's uh, it, it's deep and it hits close to home. And we've got to call an audible. Our time doesn't count against your time, by the way. But um <laughs> just, I'd love to flip that question on you because John, your life work is. Mm. called helping people discover the calling of on, on their life. That's from God, helping them hear his voice. Yeah. Yeah. And where does that passion come from your life and your calling? What was that story for you? Same question, Ooh. but in reverse.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I felt called to ministry when I was seven years old. Um, you know, same, same kind of as, as you just said that, you know, my parents first generation Christian, I don't come from a line of pastors or, Mm-hmm. um, anything like that. My dad, you know, is a general contractor, my mom worked at a hospital. And so, uh, seven years old I was in kids church and, you know, gave my heart to Jesus for the ten thousandth time, because that's what you do in kids church. Anytime I did that a, too. Yeah. Anytime there's a moment to respond, you respond. Um, you know, but this time was, was a little different. And when my parents picked us up from church, you know, we're at, I'm one of five kids. So, you know, always in the van, always loud, always craziness going on. Um, and just kind of shared with my parents. I think they could see that it was different this time too. So we got home. They brought everyone in the living room. I kind of wrote my name in my Bible and the date, you know, and they, you know, just kind of prayed over me. And it was from that moment on that I felt called to ministry. I had no idea what it was going to look like. I had no context to this is how you even start pursuing ministry, or this is what you're supposed to do. X, Y, and Z. I just knew, you know, I'm, I'm called to ministry. Um, And not that I was, Perfect by any means, because there's plenty of people out there that would tell you my mistakes and and things that I've done. Um, but from that moment on, I just have pursued that call to ministry. That's mm-hmm. kind of been my focus. That's been the heart. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's morphed of what that has looked like uh, to this day. I can't tell you what area of ministry I feel called to. Um, you know, that's just kind of how it is. Like it's just I've just said yes to God in every season, whatever you yeah. want me to do. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever direction you want me to lead. And, you know, there was this really pivotal moment for me. I was, uh, I don't know, probably 21 or 22 years old and I was in California and uh, I was speaking at this uh, youth rally in San Jose. So I live in Sacramento, uh, was speaking at this youth rally in San Jose and I was working at the district office of Northern California, Nevada at the time. It's my first ministry position Um, and, you know, this is back when they used to do those posters of like events and the worship (laughs) team and the speaker, you know, put the posters all over the youth (laughs) room. Well, the assistant superintendent was at this church that the youth youth rally was going to be. It was two days before the event. And, uh, he took a picture of it and sent it to me. And, uh, you know, leading up to this event, I really felt like the Lord said, you know, I want you to share your testimony at this event. And I was just really insecure with my testimony. I was like, I don't have a good one. Mine's not really fun. Again, not that I was perfect by any means. Plenty of mistakes, plenty of things I wish I didn't do. But I never had that like season where I walked away from the Lord. Um, And so didn't really have an exciting testimony and was insecure about it. Didn't really like sharing it. Actually, in youth settings, I would make stuff up in like small groups um, just so that like I felt like I fit in, you know, with with the small group. Um, And the assistant superintendent, he's still there to this day, Dr. Sam Huddleston has a crazy testimony, right? Goes to jail five years to life, Um, you know, just incredible. While he's in prison, gets saved, writes a book uh, in prison, comes out, goes to ministry, and is now the assistant superintendent for Northern California, Nevada. Um, So just incredible story. He texted me a picture of it. He said, I feel like the Lord, you know, wants you to share your testimony at this event. (laughs) Um, and by this time you know we're two days out I had already talked to one of my friends who had a great testimony said hey I'm speaking at this event would you come with me and part of this service can you share your testimony that's kind of how I justified it with God right I felt good so I was like all right we'll we'll get a testimony in there it's just not going to be mine Um, and then he said something to me you know he said you know I want my grandkids to have your testimony wow um I thought you know like Dr. Sam, what do you mean? Your testimony is incredible. God redeemed you, met you in prison. Um, And he said these words to me and it stuck with me ever since. He said, my testimony, referring to himself, he said, my testimony is proof of the redeeming power of the cross, that God will find you anywhere, that, that he will meet you where you're at, that he can redeem you from any situation. He said, but your testimony is proof of the keeping power of the cross.
0: Oh, wow. That
2: his love is so strong, is so great, is so incredible that you don't have to try the things of this world once you've experienced the true love of God. Um, And so that's kind of been, you know, my story and everything flipped for me in that moment. Um, You know, like thinking of it that way. And now it's like, man, I want a generation to not have to try the things of this world. I yeah. want a generation to to have an encounter with Jesus that's so strong and so incredible and really encounter his love that they don't even have to try the the fake stuff of this world because they've already experienced the best. Um, and so, sorry, I kind of went off track there a little day. bit, but that that is kind of the, um, the story, you know, and now that's just what I'm going after and, and pursuing.
1: Oh my gosh. I love it, John. And uh, it's just really incredible. I think of two business terms. One is acquisition and one is retention. And I think e- we talk about evangelism, mm. discipleship, and we watch Shark Tank. So I think so, yeah, often I love focus, I know, so often we focus on like, Hey, what's the cost of acquisition? That's like <laughs> one of their first questions right. of like Mr. Wonderful or Mark Cuban. Yeah. You
2: know, yeah. That. Yeah.
1: But then, <laughs> Jesus paid the cost of acquisition for our soul.
2: Mm-hmm. Come on.
1: And then the the proof that's in the pudding is like, he's also got staying power. It's it, yeah. so he, he retains us. And so that's, I, de- I definitely love how um, one of your mentors, um, Pastor Sam was talking about that. And just to close the conversation, John, would, is there something on your heart for young leaders that if you could leave them with one piece of encouragement, what would you share with them today?
2: Oh, man, I would st- stuff that we've talked about, you know, um, one piece would just be seek seek a relationship with Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you only had time to do one thing, like really get to know Jesus, really spend time with him, um, because it's it's the best possible thing on planet Earth, you know, and just even driving into work this morning, I was praying, I'm like, man, Lord, that my kids would be so blessed to walk with you too they would be so blessed to have this relationship with you and you know just just that feeling of of gratefulness of man i get to have an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe outside of ministry outside of profession outside of all those those different things like i'm known and i get to know the creator of the universe um So, man, one piece would be don't worry about that other stuff. Let God take care of it. Spend time with Jesus. Get to know him. Um, Carve time out in your day. Not to come with a list of things that you want him to do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're just sitting in his presence. There's just worship music, and you're just enjoying just being with him. Um, So that would be the one piece is, is spend time with Jesus and get to know him.
0: Amen. What a great note to leave us on and challenge a listener. That's always something that we always want to do. We want to live actively out in our daily routine and our life is to draw close to the word of God, to the heart of God, so we can yeah. live out the will of God. Right. And I think if absolutely not, we, have, we need all of them. Right. And I'm yep. um, just so grateful that God can call us his children. And he's called us for such a time as this, that we get to team up and you as a listener, we just want to encourage you to keep going strong keep keep being faithful what god has in front of you and john we just want to say thank you so much for spending this last hour with us we absolutely loved getting to know you
2: yeah no thank you guys honor honor to be with you
0: it's amazing
1: this is the young adults today podcast Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share
2: this with someone you know.